for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at newsongplymouth.church. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Get those sermon notes out. It's going to be a lot of fun. If this is your first time here, my name is Justin Chambers. I am the ruggedly handsome, burly man that you see before you who is also the pastor of the church. And I want to say welcome. So glad that you're here. And um, trust me, I know I'm not handsome. I, I know. But my wife thinks I am, and that's good enough for me. All the men should have said amen at that right there because, you know, I'm not, the only man, I'm not the only ugly man in this room. That's all I got to say. I've always asked my wife this. It's an ongoing question. Because wives are so, you know, women typically are so dainty and they smell nice. And, and um, they have good hygiene. And um, why do you like men? Like, I don't get it. Because like, we're pretty much the exact opposite of that. We're hairy and we don't always have good hygiene. And I could say more about bodily functions, but I'm not. So uh, I thank God for my wife every day, that's for sure. We're going to edit that out, by the way, of the sermon, that's for sure. I was going to uh, call the series uh, by another name. I was, uh, we, we landed on Think Outside the Box, meaning uh, we want you to think this series, just today and then two more weeks, is a series about thinking outside the box, thinking, think, thinking having thoughts that, that people outside of the church have. And thinking the way that they think and, and, and understanding their views from the outside of what it is to be on the inside and what would keep outsiders from becoming insiders like uh, to the point that I wasn't actually going to call this think outside the box. I was actually going to name the series three things I hate about you. And I thought, you know, that's probably something I don't want to convey on podcasts, like, you know, hey, come to New Song, Three Things I Hate About You. That's probably not what we want to convey. So we changed it to Think Outside the Box. But what this really is, is a series that is going to challenge you. Uh, but in, and we're going to have some laughs. We're going to have some fun. Uh, we're going to tell some stories and things like that. But it is going to challenge you to and, and remind you that people on the outside of the church, whether founded or not founded, or um, they have certain views of those inside of the church or what the church is like. And, um, and, and I hate to say this, but it's true. Some of those views are accurate. Like they have some views of, well, I know, you know, so-and-so, he's a Christian, he's rrr, And I know people that go to that church and they're rrr, and And as much as we say, uh, hey, no, we're not like that, can I tell you the truth? The church across America, we've got some issues. I mean, we've got some issues, and some of the views of those outside of the church, not just New Song, but outside of the church, capital C, the church, uh, some of their views are not unfounded. In fact, some of their views are very accurate. In fact, I know there have been a lot of churches that I've gone to and visited one time and maybe was a special speaker there or maybe... Uh, did a concert there or whatever, and I would think, oh, I would never go to this church. Oh, because there's some things that we fail to recognize about who we are and things that we need to change, things that we need to do better. And this is really getting us ready for 
four months of outreach, evangelism, what was what, you know, the, the word of the church is, the Christianese word is evangelism, but we're going to start a, a, a new series December the 1st called Christmas at the Movies, and it's going to be a great series. It's going to be, be very unique. It's going to be something different than we've ever done, and it's really just designed to get people on the outside in, to give you the opportunity that if you've been witnessing to your friends, been telling them about Jesus, telling them about the change that he's made in your life, that this gives you an incentive, a way, let's say it like this, a way to say, hey, you know what? Our church is doing this really cool series called Christmas at the Movies. Uh, it's going to be really fun. Why don't, you, why don't you come and check this out? I'm so excited for it. Would you come with me? It's just giving you a chance to invite people to church. And when they get here, they're going to hear the message of Jesus Christ. They're going to have a chance to give their life to Jesus and to find out that the church, at least New Song, is not who they thought New Song would be or that not the, what they, they thought a normal church would be, or what all churches are, that we are actually a great church, a great group of believers here at New Song. And um, so I thought, well, what, what would be the three things that outsiders think of insiders? And, and one of the first things that come, in fact, we, I brought it to the staff, uh, at our staff meeting, there's probably eight of us sitting around the table, eight or 10 of us sitting around the table, and I said, hey guys, uh, well, and girls, what, uh, why? Why would people say, ooh, no, I don't, I don't go to church, or ooh, no, I don't like Christians, or no, no, I just don't do, I mean, why, 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 do they, why do they think that way? Like, what's wrong with us, or what do they think is wrong with us? And one of the first things that we came up with, and I think one of the most obvious, is that they really view Christians as being very judgmental, very critical, and the truth of the matter is, I believe that that often can be very accurate. Because I've seen a lot of Christians be very critical just toward one another, just inside church, not even talking about those outside the church. And this is something that, that church in America just needs to, to break a spirit of judgment, a spirit of condemnation or critique, a criticism. In fact, I'm going to start with a verse and I'm going to end with it. It's not in your notes, but it you know, everybody knows John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. How many know that's verse, right? John 3, 17 says, Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. So if Jesus didn't come to criticize or to judge or to condemn, what gives us the right? That's a good question, isn't it? If Jesus, who was the perfect and is the perfect Son of God, didn't come into the world to condemn the world, to look down his nose at them, and to tell them what he really thought, but he came to love and to serve and to save, right? Jesus, who had the power, he had the, the authority to actually judge because he was perfect and is perfect, but he didn't do it. Doesn't that say something about you and I? That we should never live life like that? That it's just the wrong way to live life? And I'm going to show you some things in Scripture that are really, really cool. This is going to make sense to a lot of you. And I'll tell you, even at the first service, we had dozens of people uh, respond at the end of the service and say, you know what, I really struggle with that. And no doubt, there's dozens of people in this room that really struggle with this topic that we're going to talk about today. And today it's going to be broken in our, in our life by the power and the grace of God. Amen? John 1, chapter 14, says this, Jesus, the Word, 
became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We'll come back to that. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Now that's a sermon in itself, but we got to skip that because that's not the point today. Verse 17, here is the point. For the law was given through Moses, like rules and regulations were given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Write this down, number one. Christians struggle with the tension between grace and truth. We struggle with the tension between grace and truth. And then number two, write this down. Truth is God's standard. Grace is God's favor. Truth is God's standard. Now, these are simplified definitions, but it's still true, very accurate. Truth is God's standard. Grace is God's favor. So, so let, let's talk about this just for a second. The Bible says uh, even two times in the same passage that Jesus came to us and he was full of grace and truth. Let me say that a different way. Jesus wasn't split 50-50, half truth, half grace. No, he was at full capacity in truth. He was at full capacity in grace. He was at capacity in grace. He was at capacity in truth. He was simultaneously full of truth and full of grace. And we are to be, we are to walk like Jesus walked. We are to be imitators of Christ. We are to have the mind of Christ, the Bible says. And that means we are called, all of us are called to be at capacity in truth and at capacity in grace. That we're to be full of truth and full of grace simultaneously. But what we happen, have happened in the church, and I want you to think with me here, uh, what we have happened in the church today is there, there are a lot of people who are at full capacity with truth, but they have very little capacity of grace. And they're the ones, and you know that they're the one that, that is like that when, when they know the word of God, they're, they're usually mature believers, they're mature Christians, they know the word of God, they know the truth, they know God's standard, and they find it very easy to tell everybody else what they're doing wrong. They're the ones, well, you shouldn't be doing that, and you shouldn't be thinking like that, and you shouldn't have that attitude, and can you believe that he, and can you believe that she? In fact, people who are full of truth, like that capacity with truth, knowing the truth found in the word of God, they're oftentimes very, very critical. And you would think, my wife and I have had this conversation uh, multiple times. We have been surprised by very mature believers, people who have loved Jesus for like 50 years, who all of a sudden heard one thing, saw one person, and the fangs came out. <laughs> like, just start barking at people. Just, in fact, I heard one of them just start yelling. And I'm looking at this person thinking, what are you doing? How can you know Jesus for 50 years and act like that? That doesn't, that doesn't connect with me somehow. 
Like that doesn't add up to me somehow. You should be more mature than that. Okay, but what happens is it doesn't mean, it, in, in fact, it doesn't mean they don't know the word. If you want to know the truth, they, they know a lot of the word. They're at capacity in truth, but they don't have any grace in their life. And they find it so easy to tell everybody else what they're doing wrong and how they should live life. And if you were really a Christian, you would look like this, and you'd act like this, and you'd talk like this, and you'd smell like this, and you would give like this, and you'd serve like this. And, and I could tell you everything that you're doing wrong because I'm at capacity with truth, but I have no grace. But then you have other people that are at capacity with grace but have no truth. It's like the, the ones who think, well, love in, in the end, love wins. In the, in the end, everybody gets to go to heaven, even if you don't believe in Jesus. As long as you're a good person, as long as your good outweighs the bad, uh, then, then you're going to make it to heaven. Like, everybody's good. Every, there's no reason to be harsh. There's no reason to tell people what they're doing wrong. Can't we all just get along, you know? In fact, my wife and I, we, um, uh, we went out yesterday, took, took my daughter out for kind of a, a just a fun day, just us with uh, Grace and... and um, Took her shopping, because that's what girls like to do, weirdos. And um, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, so we go in the parking lot, and there's a bumper sticker. And most of you have seen this bumper stick sticker that says coexist, and it has all of these emblems of different religions on there. But this one didn't just say coexist with all of those religions. This one said, God blesses all nations. And then it listed, you know, Muslims and Buddhists and just Eastern religions and just everybody. It was just all listed there, and God blesses all nations. And I, I, I'm stopping to thinking about that, and I don't even know if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't know if that makes sense. Does, does God really bless all nations? And if by nations you mean religions, does God bless all religions? And the obvious answer to that is, no, because we even know Christianity is not about religion. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I think you have right there a sign that somebody is full capacity with grace, but they don't know the truth. They have no capacity for truth. Everybody see what I'm saying? And then you have a lot of us, a lot of us here in this room, you're like, well, I'm, 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 I got some truth in me and I got some grace in me, but sometimes the truth wins and I get too harsh and sometimes I, I probably should stand up and say something, but I don't because I'm too graceful. And you don't know how to balance. There's tension between grace and truth. There's tension between grace and truth, but yet in Jesus' life, there was no tension because he was at full capacity with truth and he was at full capacity with grace. And he knew when to be truthful. And he knew when to look at the hypocrites, the Pharisees, the religious elite that were creating all of the rules and looking down their nose at everybody else and telling everybody else what they're doing wrong. He knew when to look at them and full of truth, he would say to them, you brood of vipers, you hypocrite. But then the crowds would gather around him who were just as sinful as the Pharisees just in a different way right? Because we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the grace of, of God. I, I mean, we, we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory, of his grace. And he looked at the crowds, loved them, and he didn't criticize them. He embraced them. 
See, he was at full capacity with truth, and he knew when to speak it. But he was at full capacity with grace, and he knew when to show it. See the difference? And what we have here is Christians all across America that struggle between grace and truth. Sometimes they should be speaking and showing grace, and they decide to tell them, like, I'm just going to tell them like it is. Well, you chose wrong. And other times, you needed to stand up for truth. And you had a friend that was putting your relationship with Jesus down or, or, or making remarks, and, shit, and you should have stood up for truth, but you decided to just to be gracious. Well, I'm just not going to say anything. Well, is it possible, and should we be simultaneously full of truth and full of grace? And the answer to that is yes, because Jesus was, and we are to be like Christ, amen? So, so I want to show you some things about this. This is so, this is so cool. Letter, letter A, write this down. With truth, here, here's, here's why we need both. Because with truth, I'm sorry, without truth, no one can change. Without truth, no one can, can, can change. Let, let me say it like this. Let, let's just read a few verses here. And I could have chosen dozens and dozens. But here's John 8:32. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You could say it like this. You will know the truth, and the truth will change you. Because if, if, if you are set free, that means previously you were bound. So if you know the truth, the truth changes you. The truth just changes you. When you understand the truth of Jesus Christ and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says you have become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You have been changed by Truth. So without truth, you cannot change. John 17, 17 says this, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which actually is truth. So, so, so the word of God that I'm holding in my hand right now, the word of God is true. The Bible says it's living, it's, it's active, it, it accomplishes things. And it is true. So without this word, you cannot be changed because the word is truth and truth sets you free. Truth changes you. Let me say it like this. Paul is writing and, and he says this in one of his letters. He said, hey, listen, how, how, will they, how will these people know if somebody doesn't preach to them? Like, how will they know that Jesus is Lord if somebody doesn't go there and present the gospel or the good news or the truth to them? If they don't hear the truth, they can't be changed. They won't change. It's just impossible. He said, how will they know if nobody preaches to them? And how will somebody preach to them if they're not sent? Like, we've got to send them. We've got to take this truth, and we have, to, we have to take it out to the masses. We have to tell other people about the truth. And that's true, everybody. Hear a new song? You need to know that you're just as responsible for handling this truth as I am. Now, I'm going to be judged a little bit more strictly because I teach the truth. I teach the Word of God in a setting like this. But the Bible says to all of us that we have to handle the word of truth appropriately. Like we have to know it. We have to hide it in our heart. We have to embrace it. Why? Because we can't change without it, and others can't change without it. So we need the truth. But now here's the other thing. The letter B, write this down. 
So without truth, no one can change, but let her be without grace, no one wants to change. <laughs> without grace, no one wants to change. In fact, let me say it like this. If you're, if you're a Christian and, and you are critical and judgmental and, and you're telling everybody what they're doing wrong and then you look at them like, yeah, you need to come to Jesus too. They're looking at you like, I don't want anything that you got because you're hateful. You're mean-spirited. All you do is criticize. All you do is make me feel bad. I don't know what you're on, but I don't want it. I'm out. It, it, it's not because you said anything wrong, necessarily. You were holding to the truth, but you said it with the wrong heart. You, said, you, you spoke things that might have been true, but you didn't, you didn't show any grace. But without grace, nobody wants to change. Let, let me prove this to you in Scripture. John 13, 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So, so, so what he's saying is, the thing that, that, that tells us apart from everybody else should be our love. In fact, the Bible says, listen, you can do a lot of things, but if you're not loving, if love isn't first, the rest of it's just garbage. The rest of it's just noise. The rest of it is meaningless if you don't have love. You say, well, I do love lots of people. Yeah, but do you love all people? Do you love the ones that mistreat you? Do you love the ones that talk bad? Do you, want, do you love the ones with filthy mouths or dirty jokes that they can't stop talking? Do, do you love the unlovely do you love the ones who look bad, who smell bad, talk bad, who think bad, who act bad? Do you love them? Well, not all. Yeah, some people are hard to love, aren't they? I could tell you some stories. We, we still got this guy, last church in Milwaukee, I can't say his name because he might listen to the podcast. Um, Uh, <laughs> he had a reputation. Nobody liked him. Like this guy, hard to love. And so dogmatic, so strict, so to the point, so black and white. There was no grace in his life. His words were always point blank. And it was like every time he opened his mouth, a gun would go off. You know what I'm talking about? Like every time he opened his mouth, somebody was going to get shot. Right? And sometimes it, it was like buckshot. There were three or four people that got hit. Sometimes it was birdshot, and there were 20 people that got hit. Like it, it, he just, every time he opened his mouth, and he was hard to love. And when I left the church to come and plant new song, because I was the minister of music there, he came to me, and I was expecting one lash harsh. You know what I mean? Like I was just expecting one final critique, one final, final judgmental statement. He came to me and he said, you were the best music pastor we've ever had. Like, Why didn't you say something sooner? My goodness, because <laughs> you killed me or you just killed me. You know, and Like one of those guys you just wanted to slap every time you saw him. Like you just, anybody know somebody like that you just want to slap? Now, don't think about your spouse. If you, if you raise, that's just wrong. Some of you are like, this guy. See, without grace, nobody, 
Nobody wants to change. But what, what's, what, what's what happens here that some people are just hard, but yet Romans 13.10 says, love does no harm to a neighbor. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Some neighbors are easy to love. Some neighbors, not so much. Some, some coworkers are easy to love. Some coworkers, not so much. But the Bible doesn't say, love, love your neighbor as long as they're really nice. No, it just says, what, what's this? Love does no harm to a neighbor. You know who a neighbor is? Anybody that you come in contact with. Anybody in your circle of influence. The Bible says, love does no harm. Love, love doesn't jump their case. Love doesn't, love, love doesn't attack them verbally. Love doesn't constantly judge them. Love doesn't do that. In fact, we know what love is. Love is patient. It's kind. And it's not self-seeking. It's not rude. It's not easily angered. And I know I'm going out of order, but you get the point. Like love does no harm for a neighbor, even if you have the most rotten neighbor in the world. Even if you have the most rotten coworker in the world, love does no harm. Love does no harm. And yet I believe Christians all across America have this mindset that they think it's okay to set everybody else straight. Well, I have an opinion, and I'm just going to tell you what it is. Well, don't. If somebody ever approaches me, well, I have an opinion. I'm just going to tell you what it is. I'll try my very best to stop the conversation right now. And I'll just tell them, you know, it just seems like your attitude's a little harsh right now. So whatever you have to say, I'm probably not going to want to accept it. Because it doesn't seem like you're speaking this in love. So if you want to talk to me, I need you to come to me graciously, lovingly, and, and, and really do it out of care for me and, and not out of an attack. And now, thankfully, I rarely have to have those conversations with anyone. Rarely. It's like once every five years. But don't, but, uh, but I have. I, I had to tell somebody recently, hey, I just need you to stop sending me. I just live my life to serve. Live my life to care. You have no idea what my life is like. And if you knew, you would not say these things. If you knew, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be speaking this. And it was just somebody who just was so judgmental, so critical. Um, and they don't, they don't come to church. They, they just decided to, to, and I just said, I'm, I'm just done. Like any email you send me in the, in the future, I'm just, I'm just going to delete it. Because um, uh, not everybody have a voice in your life. That's a, that's a you got to listen to the right people, right heart. People who, who have, are living for your best interest. And, and if they're not living for your best interest, sometimes you just got to cut those relationships off. How many know what I'm talking about? You just got to protect yourself. Um, again, that's a, that's a sermon for another day. But let me say it like this. Number three, write this down, that those outside the church, they don't need criticism as much as they need compassion. They don't need criticism as much as they need compassion. What, what I find is, in fact, um, I'm going to give you a great example of this. Um, what what? It's so interesting during during the political season. 
So I'm going to rock some of your worlds right here. Some of you Republicans need to know that there's some Democrats sitting in the room. Some of you Republicans are like, well, who are they? <laughs> and some of you Democrats need to know there's some Republicans in the room. And I'm just glad you're here. Like, I'm just glad that you're learning from the Word of God. Like, I don't, I don't care your political affiliation. I don't care. And, and I tell you, there were some people, I remember this years ago when President Obama was just running for the first time for president, and there were people coming to church, and they had, they had like, you know, big buttons or whatever on their, on their shirt or on their, even on their Bibles, which really threw one guy into a, 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 a head spin. I mean, just he saw an Obama button on some, like, attached to somebody's Bible, like the cover of their Bible. Oh, 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 did he come and have a word with me that morning? Like, dude, you got to calm down. You should just be glad that every single person is here every single Sunday morning to hear the word of the Lord. Like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care if you, if you love Trump, hate Trump. I, I don't care. I really don't care. I don't care. I just want to know, do you love Jesus? I don't, I, don't, I don't care if you love Obama. I don't care if you love Trump. Do you love Jesus? That's my question. Are you allowing Jesus in your life? How many, how many know we should be pointing some more people to Jesus and not towards politics and talking about that? You know what I'm saying? I'm saying that when people come, I could give you a lot more stories, but some of some just can't. So, um, so you know, just, just let, let me tell you, those outside of the church, those who are obviously not living for Christ, they don't need more criticism. They don't need you to tell them what they're doing wrong. They need you to show, they need you, they, they need to see your compassion. They need to see your love for them, your, your acceptance of them. Well, I can't accept who they are, Pastor. They're living in sin. I can't accept. You, you don't have to accept the sin. In, in fact, can I tell you something? You're not called to clean up anybody. You're not called to clean up the sinner. Only Jesus can do that. I don't have the power to clean anybody. The Holy Spirit working in somebody's life, that's a, that's a, a winning scenario. That's, that's the key. That's, that's how success is going to be seen. But it's not going to be from me telling people, well, you need to change this and you need to change that. And you, you know what that is? That's legalism. If I start creating rules and saying, well, if you're a Christian, you're going to abide by my rules, which is what a lot of churches do, well, if you're a Christian, you're going to look like this. In fact, you're not going to wear that. You're not going to wear that, but you need to wear that, and you need to wear that, and you need to stop putting this on your face, and your dress needs to go down to here, and you can't wear shorts, and they just start putting Well, all of a sudden, everybody, all of a sudden, they're not following Jesus. They're just following the leader of that church. They're just following legalism, and I, I've learned I can't clean anybody, so I don't worry about it. That's up, to, that's up to the Lord to do. That's up to the Holy Spirit to do. And what I've found in my life is I don't have to live as a critic. I do need to live as a person of compassion. You know, yesterday, my, my wife and daughter and I, we, were not only, we not only went shopping, but we took my daughter to, to see a movie that my, my teenage boys would not want to see. And um, um, we, we go and we buy the tickets. And behind the counter of the person there selling the tickets was this dude. He was burly, man. He was like, he was a big boy wearing a black shirt, 
like a lot of them just look like you should be on a Harley Davidson. Gruffy face, long hair that was in a ponytail, lipstick, pearl earrings hanging down, mascara. It's one of those things you're like, you're really burly to be wearing that stuff, you know, like. But you know, something that just, come on, everybody, admit it. It catches your eye, doesn't it? It just catches your eye. And a lot, of, a lot of people at that moment, a lot of Christians at that moment, would think terrible thoughts and, and, and would just criticize that person, if not out loud, at least in your mind. That person. Why, why don't you stop that? What does that accomplish? Why, why, don't you just, why don't you just look at a person like that and say, oh, God. They don't even know who they are. They're broken. They need you. They just need you. Why don't you just why don't you just call out to the Lord on their behalf? Why don't you show passion? Not criticism. Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. I'm challenging us. Like, there's gonna be some people, and there already have been. There's going to be more people that are going to walk through our doors, and they're not going to look like you. They're not going to think like you, and they're not going to talk like you. They're not going to smell like you. Do you look down your nose at them? Or do you look at them with love and compassion and say, you know what, I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to hug you anyway. I'm going to put my arm around you anyway. I'm going to shake your hand anyway. I got I to got we have a lot of, and I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. It's one of my favorite things about New Song. We have a lot of people with special needs. And you guys are so gracious with them. Sometimes they clap for no reason. What are you clapping about? I don't know. And I love it. I just love it. And I'm so, I just love you guys because you just let them be who they are. This one, this one, this is, this is years ago. I can tell this story. This is years and years ago. Uh, in fact, I, th- I think he since passed away. Came to church here. <laughs> he would sit on the front row. <laughs> and he would pick his nose. Pick and pick and pick and pick and flick and pick. And we call it, in college, we call it pick it, roll it, flick it. <laughs> so there you go. That is not pastoral, by the way. And, um. After church, every single Sunday, and he would pick every week, but some this week more than, I mean, the whole thing. He was digging for something he couldn't get, you know. And on the way out, he, he reached out his hand because he wanted to shake the pastor's hand. <laughs> you know, that's what, I, that's what I'm thinking. And I not only took his hand, but I pulled him to me and I hugged him. And I just loved him. He was so very dear to me. And I used... You know, bacterial, right after that, actually, I didn't even wait for him to get too far out the door before I went straight for the, you know, the hand gel, the sanitizer, and pumped a few times and just went back to shaking. Because I've learned something about people, no matter who they are, they're very special to God, and that means they're very special to me. They might look different, and they might act different, think different, smell different, dress different. 
I've just made a decision in my life. I'm not going to criticize them. I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to, I'm going to show compassion to them. I'm going to love them just the way that they are. I don't care, everybody, you, you, know, you know, we've had people that have come in here with a past, with a record, and it wasn't just drug dealing, of a sexual nature, and we, we knew who they were. We just called them and said, hey, you're welcome to keep coming here. Now, when you come here, security personnel is going to meet you, and they're going to sit by you the whole time. You'll never be by yourself, not even when you go to the bathroom. You're never going to be by yourself. but we will love you, and we will serve you. Now, a lot of the time, they just don't come back. That's okay. I'm, I'm also called to protect love. You guys know that, right? And thankfully, we have a lot of police officers in our church. <laughs> we have a lot. And, and several times, they're like, you know, giving me the head nod, like, hey, see this person here. And, and um, they'll say, well, you know, public knowledge has been, they'll tell me what, that person's done, and I'll just say, hey, safety team members, take a safety team. So we keep everybody safe, but how many know that they need to hear the gospel? That nobody is beyond the grace and the love and the mercy of God, that nobody goes too far. And everybody, if, if we don't reach them and tell them the love of Jesus. And, and so, we, yeah, we, keep, we, we, we are full of truth, and we'll tell them, hey, you're never going to go anywhere without a security personnel with you. But we're also going to show grace but we're not going to keep you. You're, you're, you're welcome to come. I think that you can be at full capacity of truth and full capacity of grace. You can see things for what they are and yet love people anyway. Come on, everybody. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and I want to show you something in Scripture very quickly as we bring this to a close. Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. This is Jesus. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he, he saw the crowds, the ones, the ones that were, were lost as lost could be, the ones that were dysfunctional, the, the ones that they, they weren't. Remember, he said he called them the crowd. He didn't call them the Pharisees. He didn't call them the Sadducees or the, the, the scribes or the religious elite. He was, he was just saying this was just the crowd. This was just the crowd, just normal sinners. And he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Can I tell you something about that word harassed? That, that is a word that, that Jesus is saying, the writer is saying, they, they, the, the, the enemy was all over them. Satan was all over them, attacking them over and over and over again and pulling them away from truth and pulling them away from Jesus and pulling them away from right living with God. Like they were harassed over and over. The enemy was out to get them and no doubt they had failed and failed and failed and failed again. And Jesus looked at those people who were harassed and helpless, and he had compassion. In fact, the next verse I want to share with you goes even further. Mark chapter 6, verse 34 says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. We say, we've already read something similar. Yes, we have, but watch this. So he began teaching them many things. He began teaching them Many things. Jesus saw people who were harassed and helpless. People, people came to him as part of the crowd. And when Jesus looked around 
When he saw the crowd, no doubt he saw the liar and he saw the thief and he saw the tax collector and he saw the adulterer and he, he, he saw the lazy. He saw them all. He saw the addicted. He saw every single person for who they were. He saw them all and he had compassion on them. He saw the guy at the, at the ticket counter who was confused about his identity, and he had compassion on him. So he began to teach them many things. Let, let me say it like this. Everybody listen to me. Listen, look up here. Jesus saw the crowd. He saw the dysfunctional. He saw all of their sins, and he began teaching them many things. He began to make an investment in their life. He began teaching them many things. He began to invest in their lives, not just once, not just twice. The Bible says, and I never saw that before this weekend, Did you, or this, this week, did you know that? I've read that verse over and over and over and over again, and I never saw it before, that he began to teach them many things. He not only made an investment, but he kept investing. Then he invested some more. Then he invested some more. Then he invested some more. How many know what I'm talking about? Let me tell you something about love. Love is inconvenient. All you married people know exactly what I'm talking about. I had a date day with my wife yesterday in the middle of the rut. Because it's inconvenient. Married. Saw what they needed. Had compassion on them, and he just invested. He didn't criticize. He didn't judge them. He didn't cast them away. He didn't call them names. He didn't think bad thoughts about them in private. He just began teaching them, investing in them over. Let, let me tell you something about it. Write this down. Then we'll, then we'll close number four. My God-given purpose. We are to be like Christ, and we are. And my God-given purpose is to invest in someone else. It's to invest in someone else. I tell people this all the time, that your God-given purpose will always involve somebody else. Always. I promise you, your, a God-given purpose, let me say it like this, it is impossible for anybody to have a God-given purpose that only invests in themselves. It's impossible. It's just not the way it works. Your God-given purpose will always be an investment in someone else. Always. Always. So where do you start? Who around you is dysfunctional? Who around you? Can I even challenge you a little bit? I want you to find the most irritating person that you work with and love them. How about that? 
I, I want you to find the most irritating person in your circle of influence and I want you to befriend them. I just want you to love them, care for them, serve them, don't critique them, don't judge them, just, just love them. Just become their friend. You know, I, I have a great story. Um, there was a there was a pastor here in Plymouth. He, he uh, is he's not alive now. He passed away years ago. Um, we just moved to Plymouth, and my wife and I were sitting in our living room. And we didn't know we didn't know anybody in this city. I mean, we didn't know anybody. We had just moved here, and all of a sudden, somebody knocks on my, on our door. We thought nobody knows us, so who's that? You know that type of deal. Go to the door and we find out it's a pastor in one of the churches here in the community. And he just looked at me straight in the eyes. He said, I don't like it that you're here. Well, that's a bad way to start a relationship right there, isn't it? And I I just spoke with him very calmly, very nicely, very lovingly. And and after he left, my wife was like, what are we going to do about that? I said, I'm going to treat him like he's my favorite world. I'm going to love him like nobody's business. I'm going to encourage him. I'm going to support him. I'm going to be there for him. I'm just going to love him for him. Because it's going to be very hard for him to be an enemy of mine if we're friends. And I'm going to win him over. And I did. I invested in him. I just... I just kept, every time, he, yeah, I'm telling you, I can't tell you the number of times he criticized us, criticized me and my wife, criticized New Song. I just love him anyway. Until all of a sudden I realized he had stopped criticizing um, um, New Song, but he'd still criticized me and Jennifer. And I just kept loving him anyway. Kept just smiling and saying, well, I just, just think I'm doing what God's called me to do. I, I don't know what to say, but... Hey, how are things going over there? What, what, can, what are you dealing with? How can I pray with you? What are you struggling with? And I just take the focus off of me, put it right back on him and his, his family and his church. You know what? That rascal grew to love me, and I loved him. I didn't agree with him on hardly anything. Even to his death, I didn't agree with him on hardly anything. But I loved him, and he loved me. And you know I get calls from people who were like in the district office, hires office, said things like, you know what? You did awesome. We saw what you did. And he loved you. Did you know that? Yeah, I know that. Yeah, he, he called us and told us how much he appreciated you. It didn't start like that. I just chose in the moment, I'm not gonna criticize this man. I'm not gonna be judgmental. I'm not gonna be harsh. I'm just gonna be compassionate towards I'm just going to love him, befriend him. And I'm going to turn this enemy in, into a friend, and I did. I'm telling you, why don't you just pick the, the person that just annoys you the worst, that just has it out for you, and love him anyway. Why don't we just start right there? And then I want you to remember as we talk about this that even in your sin, even in your dysfunction Jesus loved you 
and he made an investment in you. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is still making an investment in all of us. And, and he's doing that not because of our sin, but in spite of our sin, in spite of our troubles, in spite of our thoughts, in spite, in spite of our actions and the, the, the sinful things, the negative things. The Holy Spirit is still working in us, making an investment in us. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that Jesus made an investment in us? In fact, the biggest investment he ever made was 2,000 years ago for you, for me. He went to the cross. He took all of, all of our sins, placed on him, and he died on the cross, paying the, the penalty for our sins. He was investing in us, wasn't he? He invested his very life in me. He gave up his very life for me and for you. And he deserves all honor, all praise, and he deserves for me to live my life the way that he would want me to. And the Holy Spirit is investing in all of us now who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, investing in all of us right now to live like Jesus lived, to be more Christ-like. And I, have, I want to say more of you, Holy Spirit. Don't stop now, because I need more. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I need more. But just stand up with me. I'm going to... Just close your eyes just for a moment here. I just want to ask a question. Um, Jesus made the ultimate investment in us when he gave up his life. And maybe there's somebody in this room right now that you've just never trusted Jesus as Savior. You've never... Maybe you've never even heard it like that, that Jesus invested in you. He knew who you were 2,000 years ago. He knew that you'd be here today. And he knew that you'd be listening, not just to my voice, but to his voice the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's just saying, come to the cross. Render your life. And in your own way, tell Jesus, thank you for the investment. Thank you for investing in me. Thank you for giving up your life. Me. And for taking my sins upon yourself. Dying so that I wouldn't have to. And today's your day to give your life to Jesus. Really fully surrender your life to Christ. To trust Him as Savior. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand really high? Let me see who you are. Anybody in the room? Okay. Put your hands down. Anybody else? Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus so grateful, so grateful for the gift of your son, so grateful for the investment you made in our lives by sending your son into the world, not only to live a perfect life, but to bear our sins on the cross, pay the penalty for our sins, to be raised to new life. allowing us to come to you in faith and in repentance, knowing 
you change us. So Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in the cross. I believe in the resurrection. Jesus, forgive me and save me. I surrender my life to you today. And I trust you, Jesus, as Savior. Help me to live like you want me to live for the rest of my life. I thank you for loving me. Thank you for investing in me. Thank you for thinking about me. Thank you for this moment that I can come to you in faith, knowing that right now, now that I've trusted you as Savior, my past is gone. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I thank you that I have been changed and that the change, in fact, has just started because you're going to work in me and through me all of the days of my life, and I thank you for that. That's gracious of you, Father, and I want to say thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you. Now, there's many others here in this room, and if you think about it, you just know that you have the tendency to be critical. You have the tendency to be judgmental. You have the tendency to look down your nose at others and and, and think thoughts about people instead of having compassion on them. You think thoughts about them that are just, you know that they're just not pleasing to God. And you're lot tired of living a critical life. You're, you're tired of living a judgmental life. And you're reminded today that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, the world might be saved. And if he didn't have the right to condemn, then neither do you. That your job is not to be the critique of others, but your job is to be compassionate in Christ Jesus. And today you're just choosing a life of love, true love, of compassion, and you're rejecting any criticism, any judgment, any judgmentalism that's in your life, and you just want it out. You just want God to take it out of you today. Would you raise up your hand really high? Let me see who you are. Yeah, a lot of hands. A lot of fans. God has challenged me in this area too. Heavenly Father, we repent for the times that we have looked down our noses at others, for the times that we thought we were better, for the times that we looked at other people's sin instead of realizing that we have sinned too. We, we look at others and we just thought that their sins were worse than our sins. And we realize, Father, that all sin separates us from you. And all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've, we've fallen short. We have missed the mark. And who are we to condemn? Who are we to judge? Who are we to criticize other people when we've had issues ourselves, when we still have some issues that we're working through? Father, we understand that we need to be compassionate and loving and gracious people. So, Father, I pray that you would rip a spirit of ju judgmentalism out of us, rip that crit critique out of us, Father, that, that desire that to, uh, to look at the bad in others, the pride that we have in our own life, Father. Rip that out of us. Allow us to be humble in front of you and in front of others, that we would live lives of humility, live lives of true love as we live to be a blessing to every person around us. Father, I pray that you would help us to love the unlovely. Help us to want to love the ones that we disagree with. Help us to love the ones that look different and act different and think different. Lord, help us to love the unlovely. 
as we live for the glory of your name. And Father, help us to remember that no matter who walks through the doors of this church, we will love and accept them for who they are and we'll allow you to do the cleansing of them knowing that we cannot, we don't have the power to clean up anybody. Father, all of that power, Jesus, all of that power, Holy Spirit, all of that power is found in you. You have the ability to change lives, not us. Our job is to love, is to care, is to show compassion, is to make an investment. So help us to do our part, Lord, as you do your part. And change us all. And change this community and change this county, and change North Central Indiana for the glory of your name. And let your church be a true light in the darkness, we pray. We give you our lives, we give you our hearts, and we love you. Come on, new song, let's just lift up our hands to the Lord very very quickly, just as an act of surrender. Let's just bless him. Say, thank you for calling me. Thank you for giving me a purpose. Thank you for allowing me to love Thank you for allowing me to have compassion on somebody else and not to look at them, Lord, the way that I used to look at them, but to look at them through your eyes, to have your heart. Lord, thank you for doing that in my life, and I worship you and honor you for it. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. Find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ all you have to do is go to newsongplymouth.church slash connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.